So good morning. Um, as we look at Article 16 of the New Hampshire Confession today, I thought we would, or I'm, I'm just more or less directing our, our study. I thought I would involve as many people as possible. So uh, first of all, we're going to read the entire article. Then we're going to divide it up into four different sections. And after uh, I'll indicate, read each section, we'll have a scripture reading that relates to that section, and then we'll have uh, a prayer based on what we have just read and, and thought about. Uh, so the, let, let's, let's just go ahead and read the article. It's of the civil government. And when I, when I was assigned this, you know, we didn't pick these, we just were assigned what we're going to do. And when I was assigned this, I thought, oh, that'll be easy. Then I got to thinking about it. No, it's not so easy. You know, this, this is a very you know, serious article. And I think, I think having a time of prayer is going to be important because we know governments today in the world, they're quite different. And they're quite different, I'm sure, from, from when the New Hampshire Confession was written. There were things going on in the world at that time. What was it, 1833, I believe? And you think about the time in world history, and especially this country, uh, Civil War was just going to be a few years after that. You know, So things, things about the civil government uh, are important for Christians to think about. Let's read the, the article. It says, we believe that civil government is of divine appointment for the interest <clears throat> and good order of human society and that magistrates are to be prayed for, conscientiously honored and obeyed, except only in things opposed to the will of our Lord Jesus Christ, who is the only Lord of conscience and the Prince of the Kings of the earth. I found this seemed to just be naturally divided into four sections. <clears throat> The first phrase, <coughs> excuse me, the first phrase, <coughs> let me read that, then we'll have scripture reading, and then I'll lead us in a prayer. It says, we believe that civil government is of divine appointment for the interest and good order of human society. Our first scripture reading comes out of Romans 13. Romans 13, if you would please grab your Bible or a Bible in the pew. And let's stand together while we read God's Word. Romans 13, verses 1 through 7. Every person is to be in subjection to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God and those which exist are established by God. Therefore, whoever resists authority has opposed the ordinance of God, and they who have opposed will receive condemnation upon themselves. For rulers are not a cause of fear for good behavior, but for evil. Do you want to have no fear of authority? Do what is good, and you will have praise from the same. For it is a minister of God to you for good. But if you do what is evil, be afraid. For it does not bear the sword for nothing. For it is a minister of God, an avenger who brings wrath on the one who practices evil. Therefore, it is necessary to be in subjection, not only because of wrath, but also for conscience sake. 
For because of this you also pay taxes, for rulers are servants of God, devoting themselves to this very thing. Render to all what is due, due to them, tax to whom taxes due, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. You can be seated for a moment. I uh, just want to make a few comments on this, the principle that is taught here. Um, it, well, it's in, I, I think Paul is teaching in Romans that Christians are not anarchists. You know, that's basically what he's saying. Uh, it says, even though we preach the eventual reign of Christ, we're not a threat to existing governments. And I think that's partially what, what, why Paul was writing to the Romans because we know at, at that time period the persecution of Christians was about to ramp up pretty well you know with Nero and, and everything that happened there so thank you so it, it's, it's important uh, to, to remember that he's, you know, he's basically saying even though you're about to be burned at the stake perhaps still the government is there uh, for a purpose and so the principle is, is important there. And Christians are law-abiding. And also, you notice he talks about paying taxes. I, I read in the commentary that one person said that there was a tax revolt going on at Rome at this time. I'm not, I'm not the historian. I'm, I'm not, I just read the commentary who said that. And he said that, that Paul apparently was uh, writing to the Christians to make sure that they weren't part of that tax revolt that, that it, they, the, the government wouldn't have any reason to accuse them of doing that. Uh, so it, he's basically advising Christians to avoid participation in any, any kind of thing that was against the government, which I find is, is quite interesting at that time. And, and as we continue reading this uh, 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 article, we're going to see there is some exceptions here. But right now, the general principle is to obey the government. We believe that it's a divine appointment and it's of good interest and order for human society. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you that you are in control. We thank you that, that, that governments today, even though we, we don't understand in our own minds how, how things are are going the way they are in many places but yet we we realize that you are still in control and that that everything is working according to your plans and so I pray that that you will help us to to understand that help us to uh, accept your your will in in our lives and I pray that you will help us to be uh, good citizens of our country pray that 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 you will help us to, to understand that, that we can participate in governments, even, even as Paul was, was uh, often uh, talked about his citizenship in, of Rome. Just, just, just thank you for the example that we have in scriptures, that, that even though uh, governments may not seem to be uh, for the good of people, yet they are necessary and that, that many things are important to, to keep order, uh, to, to uh, 
keep keep society uh, uh, running and and just just pray that that we will be involved in our government that we will vote that we'll pay our taxes that we will uh, uh, be in touch with with our representatives and let them let them know that how we feel about uh, the ways they vote help help us to to really uh, uh, be good citizens and we ask this in the name of Jesus Christ amen all right the second part of the article states that and that magistrates are to be prayed for conscientiously honored and obeyed our next scripture reading comes from first Timothy first uh, Timothy chapter 2 and let's keep up the audience participation if everyone would stand up once more for this scripture reading first Timothy chapter 2 verses 1 through 8 first of all then I urge that entreaties and prayers petitions and thanksgivings be made on behalf of all men for kings and all who are in authority so that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth for there is one God and one mediator also between God and men the man Christ Jesus who gave himself as a ransom for all the testimony given at the proper time for this I was appointed a preacher and an apostle I am telling the truth I am not lying as a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth therefore I want the men in every place to pray lifting up holy hands without wrath and dissension thank you you may be seated Back years ago, I preached through the book of 1 Timothy and got to chapter 2, the section that we've read, and it really made quite an impression on me. When you know the purpose of 1 Timothy, he writes in the third chapter that these things I'm writing to you, in case I'm delayed, so that you'll know how to behave in church, so you'll know how to do church. And the first priority that he's given is here in chapter 2, verse 1. First of all, a matter of priority, that you make these prayers, these various types of prayers, for kings and leaders, all who are in authority, that those be made. The word there in the Greek tense means to do ongoing prayer. And so I think that we need to have an ongoing priority in church and in our services to pray for leaders. The second thing here, these different types of uh, words, in, uh, supplications and intercessions and prayers and thanksgiving, those words, they, they imply specific things. So the prayers are not just to be, Lord, I pray for the president or Lord, I pray for Congress, but they should be specific. I call it praying through the newspaper. Now, I don't always use my newspaper that much anymore, but uh, look at the internet or something like that. and just be aware of what's going on in the lives of our leaders and pray specifically on their behalf and I recommend that we do this in our churches as the uh, uh, confession of faith mentions that the magistrates deserve our prayers 
that we pray for them. And the results of that are this quietness. The different translations uh, tr translate two words differently, like peace and quiet or different words there. Uh, the, the first word, however you translate it, means a peace from without. I mean, have you ever seen folks get upset about world situations? I mean, it can be bothersome. A way that we can have peace and those things outside not bother us as much is when our churches make priority of praying for leaders. The quiet or the second word that's used there means a quietness or a tranquility from within. And I think that's a real blessing because people do get upset. They hear things going on in the world, they're concerned about it. But our priority of praying for leaders, now I know sometimes it's not that easy to pray for some of our leaders. We don't always agree with some leaders and that's more of a challenge. But when, whether we agree with them or not, those leaders are making decisions that affect us. So we need to pray for them. And I'd like to just close this part by praying for uh, some leaders and try hopefully to model uh, what I think this would look like. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for your blessings. And I know, as I said a moment ago, it's easier at times to pray for maybe a, a certain president than it is for another president. But Father, I pray for President Joe Biden of the United States. Lord, I pray for his health. I pray mostly for his spiritual health. Lord, that he will be close to you and, Lord, that your will will be done in his life. And, Father, where he might be tempted to rebel against you, I pray that will be stopped. I pray for his mental health and even his physical health. Lord, not so that he could carry out any wicked thing, but so that he could be in your will. Father, I pray as well for uh, him to have wisdom in decisions he's going to make. I know he's going to be traveling to Poland. Lord, I pray that you'll help him. Lord, as he's there, uh, thanking people who are helping Ukrainian refugees and so forth, Lord, I pray that you'll bless that trip. Lord, I do pray that you'll help him in matters such as handling U Ukraine and how we should respond to that in relation to our economy, things about the supply chain that are affecting uh, people uh, so much, uh, even with what we have to eat or energy and gas prices. Father, I pray that you'll surround him with people who will give him wisdom to make the best decisions where he's able. Lord, I pray for the Ukrainian president, Zelensky. I pray that you will help him. I know that he has expressed concern recently about human suffering in his country. Father, please help. Please help. Uh, and put it on the hearts of other nations to help. And Lord, I just pray you'll put it on the heart of uh, President Putin from uh, Russia, Lord, to stop doing harm. I pray for uh, that. And Lord, I pray for the U.S. Senate as they're dealing right now with the confirmation hearings of uh, the nominee uh, Jackson. Father, for the Supreme Court vacancy that's coming up, I pray, Lord, that those hearings will uh, help a good decision to be made that would help our country uh, to make right decisions and uh, to adhere to our Constitution as you would have us to. And I pray these things, Lord, for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. About halfway through 
the article right after it says magistrates are to be obeyed it says except only in things opposed to the will of our Lord Jesus Christ who is the only Lord of conscience our scripture reading for this section will be from Acts chapter 5 verse 24 through 32 this is just after the authorities put the apostles in jail in Acts chapter 5 and verse 24 Luke says now when the captain of the temple guard and the chief priest heard these words they were greatly perplexed about them as to what would come of this but someone came and reported to them the men whom you put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people then the captain went um, uh, along with the officers and proceeded to bring them back without violence for they were afraid of the people that they might be stoned when they had brought them they stood them before the council the high priest questioned them saying we gave you strict orders not to continue teaching in this name and yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and intend to bring this man's blood upon us but Peter and the Apostles answered we must obey God rather than men the God of our fathers raised up Jesus whom you had to put to death by hanging him on a cross he is the one whom God exalted to his right hand as a prince and a savior to grant repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins and we are his witnesses of these things and so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him this is God's Word Not every country around the world has freedom of religion, freedom of expression like we do here. And uh, many places uh, suffer oppression. And uh, so a couple of different times I've read recently from the Ukrainians uh, and in the more distant past from other countries where there is not freedom of expression and they're suffering uh, constantly that many of the Christians from those places say don't pray that God would remove the oppression pray that God would give us strength to be faithful to him and uh, so I just pray that uh, wherever that might occur and even in the future here in the United States if that would occur that he would give us strength to remain faithful and be faithful witnesses even be before those ungodly uh, men that might oppress uh, the, the spread of the gospel uh, and help us to to be witnesses not only in our common understanding of the term but if it comes to mean what the original word in the Greek means uh, that uh, that will be martyrs uh, that we would be faithful uh, to the Lord in that aspect let's pray father I pray for those places where you have uh, missionaries and believers that are suffering, uh, suffering right now, suffering oppression of war, 
uh, oppression of their own leadership, their own government, whether it's dicta uh, dictatorial or, or whatever the case might be. I pray, Lord, that uh, you would give them uh, peace within, in spite of what's going on around them, uh, strength and comfort, knowing that, as we sang, you are on your throne. Uh, pray, Lord, that in the midst of the hurting, and in the midst of uh, maybe feeling like you, you need to reach out and retaliate, that you would give them uh, grace and mercy uh, to be good witnesses, not just in the good times, but also in the harsh and harmful times. I pray, Lord, that we'd all look to that day when one day uh, the Prince of Peace will reign uh, over this earth. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. All right, the very last phrase of this article is after it's talking about the uh, uh, Lord Jesus Christ, the, who is the only Lord of conscience, and the last phrase says, and the prince of the kings of the earth. Our last scripture reading will be from Revelation chapter 1 and verse 5. And for one last time, you can stand as we read this passage. Revelation chapter 1 and verse 5 says, And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who loves us and released us from our sins by his blood. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. So we have a, a short phrase there at the end of the confession, but as um, Philip has read from uh, verse 5, I want to put this a little bit in context and talk a little bit about this idea of the, the ruler of the kings of the earth, which in the King James Version says the prince of the kings of the earth. So that's why we have that in the uh, New Hampshire Confession is because that's consistent with the, the, the King James Version. But most uh, modern versions say ruler. Okay, so the context in verse 4 is where John is writing the seven churches and he says, Grace and peace to you from him who is and who was and who is to come, which is talking about the Father, and from the seven spirits before his throne, which is a Talking about the Holy Spirit, completeness of the Holy Spirit, and then from Jesus Christ, which then, as Philip read, who is the faithful witness, the first form from the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth. So once again, we have here uh, the message from God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the Trinity, or I could say the triunity of the, of the Lord. And of course, Jesus Christ is mentioned here as the faithful witness uh, the firstborn of the dead. He uh, faced death faithfully, as we know, on the cross. And at the very end of that verse, it says that uh, to him who loves us and freed us from his sins by his blood. So that ties in with his, his death, his faithfulness unto death because of his blood, which is a symbolism of his atonement for our, our sins. And he conquered death. That's the idea of firstborn of the dead. You know, sometimes in Greek or as in Hebrew, idea can be he's 
the first one to die, but he's also the one who's over all those who, who are dead or alive. And so we, we see that in the context because of verses uh, 17 and 18, 18 or so forth. It says, John fell down as though dead. And he said, Do not be afraid. I'm the first and last. I'm the one who was dead. Behold, I'm alive forevermore. I behold, and I hold the keys of death and Hades. So he's not only the firstborn from the dead, but he's so sometimes the word firstborn has the idea of a messianic reference, like in the Old Testament, that he's the one who's the inherited chosen son to rule over everyone. So it's a double meaning there, as I understand it. And as ruler of the kings of the earth, obviously he has rule over all persons and beings because the kings and rulers have rule over others. And so he's ruler not over the kings, but over all. And we, we certainly know that. In, in John's day, it was, I think it was mentioned already in our time together today, you know, it wasn't, uh, we think we have it rough, but we don't have it rough at all compared to what John had there. And the uh, time of Nero and the other rulers there, later on, others that succeeded Nero. Uh, but as you see, Christ has power over those vicious Roman rulers, and they served his purpose. I wanted just to mention just a little bit about um, the word uh, in King James Prince or the word ruler there. It's archon, which is a normal word for ruler. It's interesting that John, because we know John was the, on the Isle of Patmos, he's the one who's presenting this letter from the Lord. But he, in his gospel, he used this word about seven times. And three of the times, he used the word to reference to Satan. Satan was a prince of this world. Okay, so... Uh, I'll mention two of these quickly. John 12, 31. Uh, Satan was a prince of this world would be cast out when Christ, his Son of Man, would be lifted up. When he would be lifted up on the cross and he would die, Son of Man would be cast out. I mean, I'm sorry, you know, Son of Man, sorry. The, the, the prince of this world would be cast out. Christ is the Son of Man. All right, and then another place is John 16, 11. That's interesting because there it talks about the whole work of the Holy Spirit as a witness and it convicts the world of sin and so forth and of judgment. It says of judgment because the prince of this world has been judged. But see, that's when Christ was in his farewell discourse speaking here. But at that time, he says when the Holy Spirit comes to bring comfort, that at that time I will already have been lifted up on the cross, already been uh, in heaven, and I already sent the Spirit. At that time, the it's past tense. The ruler of this world had well, already been judged. So a point of application or two here uh, I think that could bring us comfort is that uh, not only does Christ have power over all the rulers of, the, of this earth but he has power over Satan who for a temporary time was given a power over this world. But uh, And I'm reminded in uh, one example from the Old Testament, one in the New, how the Lord used rulers for His sovereign purpose. We could cite more than that, but one good example is in the book of Isaiah, chapter 44, verse 28, where it says that Cyrus would come and it was his shepherd. And it says in the very next verse, which happened to be in the next chapter, 45, verse 1, that Cyrus was his anointed one. Now that's Messiah with a lowercase m, one that was chosen, and in that context, he was chosen to come to defeat Babylon because Israel had, was predicted they were going to be in captivity and they were and he released them by defeating them and he even, he even had a 
released a statement there that would allow them to return. Then I'm reminded of a New Testament example of Acts 4, 27 and 28, a mysterious, uh, a mysterious statement there where it says that according to God's sovereign will that both Herod and Pontius Pilate and both Jews and Gentiles were crucified. It didn't really say that, but they, uh, but the idea is crucified the Lord. So in His sovereign purpose, they did it not to glorify the Lord. They did it because of their own selfishness and they hated uh, the Lord. So I think today an application would be that certainly such pagan and wicked rulers as Vladimir Putin and others we've seen down through the years that God can overrule or utilize even their wickedness to to uh, orchestrate his sovereign purposes. So I hope we can find encouragement in that. And then another passage in Revelation 19, 16. I won't read that, but it, you're familiar with the Lord when he comes back. His picture is coming as a conqueror on a white horse and that on his uh, vesture or on his clothing will be, a, be the name, the Lord of Lord, King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. So we can certainly find comfort in that that uh, uh, he, when he returns, he will exhibit. He, he has the authority now, but sometimes we wonder why he doesn't ex seem to exert that authority like we th we think that we would if we were in a position. But when he comes back, he will definitely uh, rule over all the kings of the earth. At that time, if you read the rest of that a little later in Revelation 19, it says that he will uh, conquer the beast, which is the Antichrist, and conquer all the kings, the wicked kings under the domain of the beast and Satan and he'll cast them into the lake of fire. So uh, we certainly look forward to that to that time. But we know that he's in control now. So I'm thankful uh, to God for that. Father we thank you that you're you are the ruler of all the kings of the earth and that you're in charge and in control. We find comfort in that. We trust you and thank you in Jesus name. Amen.